Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Betfair's Weighed In Podcast. We have plenty to discuss from the week just gone. We're going to be doing the week end review. We'll also be doing Footsteps to the Festival. It's week seven of that. And I am labelling it the sort of dribs and drabs week, but we will be diving into the Champion Bumper and the National Hunt Chase. And we also have some pretty prolific news stories to talk about this week as well, none more so than all things whip related i'm sorry for those of you who are bored of it but obviously it's topical at the moment and it's even more topical because paul nichols has just come out recently to say that Lorcan williams was going to get 16 days for making your mind up ride when the review committee meet on tuesday which will put him out of the cheltenham festival and so obviously from now all jockeys are going to have to be aware that any whip bands in the review committees on tuesdays will put them out of the big meeting in march that is going to be discussed later because it is a hot topic but before we do that let's introduce the boys and due to the fact that brendan duke tipped us a huge winner at the weekend on racing only better with quick wave in the grand national trial at haydock we have welcomed him back onto the show you tip winners you say interesting things brendan you get invited back how do you feel about that well, it's a results business, Vanessa. Uh, so, so, so I'm yeah, delighted. Uh, very proud of you to have me back. I am feeling a little bit sheepish about it, though, because, I mean, I got the, I butchered the price completely. Like, is it a good tip or a bad tip? It, it won, so uh, just back winners. I get that. But, I mean, to be, put a horse up at 8-1 to one that goes off 18-1. to one. I mean, how could she be 18-1? to one? She was bad. I mean, th- these markets, it's like trying to trap lightning and predict them. Uh, she, she went off bad for the Welsh National, has a legitimate excuse, and and, and then it's, it, it's 18-1. to one. But uh, I, I would much rather have given Dan's tip for Shishkin, non-runner, no bet for the <clears throat> Ryanair. That's a yes. hell of a shout. Whether it wins or not, the people who, who took that advice are just sitting on a delicious ticket for the next month. Either way, you had a winner, and that's what oh, counts. Yeah. Meanwhile, okay. myself and Kevin Blake haven't seen a winner in a very long time, but we have welcomed him back from his jolly holiday, not gravy train trip, holiday, to where have you been, Kevin? Where have you been on your travels? I was in Qatar for the last week, yeah, 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 with my good wife. Had a great time. It's very rare for you to take a holiday, I must say. Yeah, it was our first son holiday, and we worked it out four years there you go. That's how sad I am. <laughs> there you go. And you don't really look like you've come back refreshed. And it was a real busman's holiday, given that you just went racing the whole time, as far as I could tell. Uh, no, look, we, look, my wife went in with her eyes open. She knows she knew what she was getting with me. Like, but we did split it up half and half. We had a we had a proper disconnect there out, out in the resort for the first half of the week and then, then went racing three days in a row later in the week. <laughs> of course you did. In fact, I, I think you were even in a winner's enclosure at one stage. But anyway, we'll bypass that. That's what a proper holiday is. Um, TC, how are you in the box room as standard? And you put a shirt on, a smart shirt on for us today. Yeah, I might pop out after this. Uh... Oh, bloody hell. <laughs> Big Monday for TC. How was your week? How upset were you with Brendan's tip beating your nap at 16s with Snow Leopardess in the same race? Oh, bastard livid. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I, was, um, I was at a rugby lunch on Saturday so I took I turned my phone off it was a lunch in the morning uh, started in the morning watched a match and then at four, about 4.30 5 o'clock I came in turned my phone on and and I saw the Betfair tweet saying you know quick wave and snow leopardess dominate the finish and I know I knew my fate when quick wave was put before snow leopardess so yeah good job I didn't watch it live because I'd have just gone home and sulked around about 2 o'clock wouldn't I so yeah 
Well, look, it sounds like you had a very jolly day all the same, and it was a hell of a shout, to be fair to you, at 16s. Um, right, guys, let's move on to the review of the weekend. A few bits and pieces to pick up. Obviously, action sort of slightly slowing down in regards to Cheltenham, but some still pretty decent performances, and one that is very relevant to Cheltenham was, of course, the Ascot chase, Shishkin, Back with a bang is now the five to four favorite for the Ryanair from seven to two, having beat Pick Dory and Fakir Duderis in a romp in the end. Um, let's start with you, Brendan. We discussed mm. it on Racing Only Better, the race. I didn't expect this sort of performance from Shishkin. Me and you were Fakir fans. And then he goes and does that. What were your takeaways from the Ascot chase, Brendan? Well, it was just a joy to watch. I mean, I had to eat humble pie all the way through, but you were you were happy to do it because, as a general rule, I think it, it, it's worth opposing these horses because so few of them do come back. But from the first couple of fences, the way he was travelling and jumping, I mean, he just treated those fences with disdain. They're proper fences in Ascot. Uh, travelled beautifully through the race. No real sense of him jumping out to his left either. Um, I, I, I just thought it was a, a brilliant performance. Picked Dory. I'm pretty sure he ran to form. He didn't seem to be too upset about being taken on for the lead. He's beat him 16 lengths. Okay, Fakir probably isn't the, the, the horse he was. Despite being an eight-year-old, he's a lot of miles on the clock. I, I take that point, but I don't think his form has fallen off a cliff or anything. It was just a, a, a massive performance. The, it, the only slight concern, I, I suppose maybe I'm wary because I thought he was such a certainty for the champion chase last year, is that it is a massive run relatively close to Cheltenham but if he doesn't bounce if he, if, he, if he repeats that performance at Cheltenham they won't see which way he went Do you see a deserved five to four favourite in that Ryanair market would you suggest? Yeah uh, there's a few people saying he should be going for the Gold Cup but um, I think you know the way he was finishing off that race and you know there are some nibbles around at very big prices uh, on the exchange people looking to getting matched around 55 for the Gold Cup, if that in the unlikely does happen. But I'd want an extra zero on the end of 55 um, if I was going to go there. I, I think that Ryanair all the way. Um, you know, people talking about him going up a trip. We, like, it's an extra five furlongs. And it's, you know, it's, we're very blase about this. Oh, he's finishing off his he race really well. So we'll get an extra five furlongs. It's Life doesn't work like that, does it? But yeah, um, I think so. Obviously, no Alaho, no real standout performer. Um, yeah, I wouldn't have any quibbles with that. It's a little bit, but it's about eleven to eight on the exchange as well. But yeah, I wouldn't have a, I wouldn't have a massive issue with that. But you know, I suppose the quick turnaround off the back of, you know, you could, you know, you could rate that probably on an equal with the Energamine run, can't you? So um, yeah, I mean, the quick turnaround would be a slight worry, but yeah, on, on form uh, and on that performance, very, very worthy favourite around about the five to four, eleven to four, eleven to eight mark. Kevin, I know you were obviously on holiday, but I'm sure you had all eyes on Fakir Duderis in the Betfair Ascot chase. How did I miss the sponsor's name to start this section? Um, that can't, that's not it. I mean, I always refer to him as a solid yardstick, but he, he wasn't at it. Was that him? I mean, explain yourself. <laughs> no, it didn't seem to be, no. Um, you wouldn't have been terribly happy with him through the race. Mind. I remember watching the, the Betfair Ascot chase the previous year and not really being happy with him the whole way through the race and, and he still managed to win. Um, this was a better renewal of it and he, he just didn't quite seem himself. Um, 
as Brendan mentions, like you, you can make the case that he maybe hasn't been at his best yet this season. Um, he looked like he was going to be probably second best. I don't think he would have been. You know, I think he was he was coming with a run at Turles when uh, Ota Kluwers exited. But um, even at that, it would have been below what you've come to expect from him. So, um, yeah, look, like Brendan says, he, he's, he's only eight, but he has had an awful lot of racing. He was, you know, winning juvenile hurdles at Cheltenham going back a fair few years. So we'll see. You know, does he go to Cheltenham now off the back of that? I don't know. Um, the team will, will, will have a think um, and, you know, they have the option of sticking to plan A, which would have been to skip Cheltenham and go to Aintree, where, um, which seems to suit him really well, go there, good and fresh, um, rather than, you know, most likely rematching Shishkin, who, who looks a bit formidable now, in fairness to him, uh, because this this was really good, Vanessa. Like, look, we put up with plenty with Nicky Henderson in terms of his, uh, I suppose, his highly conservative approach and sometimes frustrating approach, but... He is a master trainer, and in terms of getting one back from a bit of adversity, um, his record speaks for itself. Um, you know, obvious obvious reference to the impossible dream with um, with Sprinter Sacra, but this was a fair effort now because he looked in he looked to be in trouble this horse and uh, up and trip. He's looked better. I almost said better than ever, but you can you can make the case. <laughs> you know, there was no evidence of that jumping to his left that we've seen from him before going this way around, uh, and he looked really good. So what do you do with him? Uh, Ryanair is the, is the, the, the conservative, um, perfectly sensible choice. Um, but if, if it was someone else, they might be tempted to go for the Gold Cup because I think he would stay myself. I think his racing character would give him a great chance to stay. Um, you know, real old-fashioned pedigree, loads of stamina in it. Um, so I think he'd have a great chance of staying if they did that and, um, you know, take out Gallup and Deschamps, which I know you can't do. And I think he's probably going to go and win, but um, it's, it's it's wide open behind him. And as we always say, there is only one Gold Cup for Dessa, but I'd say he's heavy odds on to go Ryanair um, with his connections, etc. Yeah, I know people kind of... Uh, no, 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 that's, that's bullshit. All this with connections. It's all this anti-Nicky vibe. Name me not one anti-Nicky, Tony. Totally. It's one other trainer it's, it's, that would have gone for the Gold Cup. Nah, it's, it's evidence-based. He's a, he's a highly conservative. Name me one other trainer that will go that will go three and a half weeks later over a five furlong more trip than he had done after winning like that the perfect Ryanair trial. Name me one other trainer that would have gone the Gold Cup. So stop with this Nicky bullshit. There's there's a whole heap of trainers that would do it. Yeah, totally. on, then, it's, you know, of, of the top trainers. Now, yeah. that, that's probably a fair question because they all have five options for either race, but be, there's plenty of people that have got novices in Gold Cup, so... I mean, but it's I, true. It's, it's, it's a statement of fact to say that he's a highly conservative campaigner of his best horses. Has been, oh, has been for decades. That's not unfair to say. That's just a statement of fact that we, we refer to it all the time, you know? Yeah, I would... I, because I would, it's true. Well, name me one other trainer after that performance would have gone for the Gold Cup then. Come on. Well, fine, fine. But give me... Who, who, like, who are we talking about? Would, would, would he model? Yeah, we're talking about any other trainer you care to mention. favourite for the race. Would Gordon Elliott do? I, I'd say it'd be a great chance Gordon Elliott would do it. Yeah. You know, he, he's, shot for, he's shot for the Gold Cup with, with great candidates for the Ryanair in the past. Um, You know, who else do you want to name? Smaller trainers. You know, you get an owner... That uh, that isn't you know that doesn't have a whole lot of ammo, um, that they can they can get punchy, they can get ambitious. It happens. It's it's not it's not a completely outlandish thing. You know we have we have a horse there called the Real Whacker who's we have a horse there called the Real Whacker who'd have a great chance in the in the Brown Advisor, and they're still talking about potentially going for the Gold Cup. You know, mm-hmm. Coney Gree, etc. We see we see these things happen. 
Um, you know, tra- you know, all connections that don't have a, ch- a grade one Cheltenham contender every year, you know, they can be inclined to get brave and, and have a whack, especially with a horse like Shishkin, who's nine, you know, w- will he be, and, and has had issues, you know, he's obviously in great shape now. You know, I think if it was someone else, they might be tempted to take the view, right, this might be our best ever chance of winning the Gold Cup, have a crack. Yeah, I think the thing is, is with with the connections he's got, I have him at about a, a thousand to one to be even put in the Gold Cup. Whereas, as Kev says, I think if maybe with other connections, but it's all if and buts, he might not be quite as big a price to have a crack at it. But I just don't even think we'll see him anywhere near it. So that's that really. Uh, Brendan, do you want to give a quick mention to Jana Dill, who's now sevens from twenties after winning the Red Mills? Do you have any interest in him? Well, uh, if for some reason Shishkin doesn't perform, you'd have to respect Janet Hill. No match for Alaho in the race last year, but a, a good second, and he has some very strong form. Owen Kalor is a slightly frustrating horse, albeit a talented horse, and Janadil does have a very good record fresh, so I'm not sure how much he'd improve on that Gorham performance. But having said that, that puts him right there in the frame if for some reason Shishkin doesn't either show up or, or, or perform to the level that we expect. Mm. Uh, so, so yeah, I mean, it was, it, it was, it was a good effort in, in, in Goran and he is a very talented horse, but shouldn't be good enough if the real Shishkin appears. Yeah, um, no, it's, not the, it's not the first time Owen Kalors hasn't quite delivered as much yeah, as seemed likely, yeah. Yeah, um, which, you know, if you want to look back to Turles and speculate what might have happened, you know, I think there was some evidence here that it mightn't have been quite as easy for him as it looked like it might be at the time. Should we give also, Brendan, we should move over uh, to the Kingwell hurdle where we saw I like to move at absolutely Bolton beating Napa's mm. Hill in the 5-4 to favourite in First Street, who, of course, was my selection. So it was highly likely to be beaten out of sight. So that's great. Um, I like to move it is now 33s from 66 to one for the champion hurdle. But I suppose maybe more interestingly, 10s from 20s in the without market with constitute without Constitution Hill market with Betfair. Uh, he's a 10 to one shot in that market. This uh, performance surprised some, but not you, I don't think, Brendan. Uh, I, I mean, the jumping did surprise me. I, I think we should say he's into seven to one, actually, in, in, in that betting without market. Uh, oh, the, sorry, the shro- sorry. The, sh- the Shrewdies have taken the tens. Um, there yeah, there, have, been been ar- there have been ar- <laughs> there have been armies of thieves going around in Balaclavas to offices all morning, I suspect. Well, I'll change to the name of Brendan. <laughs> I mean, you'd want to be a bad each way purist for this, but I mean, if you are a, if you are, if you are a bad each way purist, you probably have a. Second. I've never heard of purist before. Purile, maybe. A few other words beginning with P. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll get back to that. But the, the major thing was, I thought, his jumping. For all that he has a, 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 a very good record at Cheltenham, I think he loves speed favouring turning tracks. So, I mean, that old course in Cheltenham is a dog track. He'll absolutely love it. And for all that there be a small field, it won't be run at a dawdle because neither Stateman nor Constitution Hill are going to let that happen. So I think mm-hmm. he'd really be suited by the demands of the race. And, I mean, he went down and stuttered into the first, and I was there, oh, here we go, and a different round of jumping because jumping is an issue for the horse. And then proceeded to wing every other hurdle. I can't remember if it was seven or eight hurdles, but he absolutely pinged every one of them. Uh, so it's the best I've ever seen him jump. I think he'd be suited by the race. And you have this situation where he's seven to one, each way without Constitution Hill. I mean, will there be six runners in the champion hurdle? I'm scratching around it. I'm trying to put Sharjah in it. Um, 
it, it's oh, 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 okay. I do think Stateman will come second, uh, but I'm not gone on Vauban. Um, I, 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 I think he's too keen. I think definitely I, I'd like to move it, uh, could beat him. And if for some reason a Stateman underperforms, I mean, it's just basically a hideous each way bet because he's probably going to have one or two horses to beat for you to collect the place part. And it's nearly impossible to uh, to see him out of the four. So uh, I haven't I, I I haven't done it. But again, if if you were a bad each way merchant, uh, you'd be licking your lips at that price. I think. Just just one thing before we move on in that race, you mentioned First Street, Vanessa, and um, we oh. had a couple of questions on that. Uh, one wasn't very happy with the ride, and um, obviously he was running uh, running without his usual hood there, and people were wondering whether it's. Uh, Trying to get a couple of pounds off a mark and, and go for the county hurdle, and the entries for the for the handicaps are actually only out tomorrow. Uh, so we'll we'll know if the handicapper has relented from mark 152. But a lot of people were pointing stiffer track, headgear back on, mark of around 150 for the county hurdle. Given he was second to statement of 142 last year, whether that was the plan rather than this, but I think that might be a little bit too harsh. I think the track was just a bit too quick for him, wasn't it? Not, not ideal either way if you're, uh, I mean, a fan like I am. I've, I've got to stop jumping off the cliff with First Street. So that's that. Uh, let's move on to Grand National scene. Is it, is it the Waits lunch tomorrow? Yeah. Oh, the Waits are out tomorrow. I don't know if there's a lunch anymore. There's always a lunch for the gravy trains. Kevin, are you <laughs> over for it? <laughs> I've, never, I've never been to that particular function in my life, nor have I got an invite. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus, put the plea out, put the plea out. Hey, um, I tell you, if I don't invite the somebody. Irish, there'll be nobody there. <laughs> that, that, that is true. <laughs> do you remember when, there's been some great moments at that, at that lunch over the years like do you remember when when O'Leary had the hump about um about the weight given to a few of his horses oh, including yeah. the, including whatever the top weight was I can't, I can't recall if it was Tiger Roll but basically you know they, they make a big deal about who the top weight is and they sling the microphone out to O'Leary where he quickly ruled out his top five weighted runners in the race yeah. <laughs> There's, there's always some great reaction from the weights itself. And that was a classic, but also in the old at the races days and since Sky Sports Racing, it's normally, and now I have no idea who's on the roster for tomorrow, but it's normally Chappers' gig. And for us, as like to send the camera up there with the reporter. And to be fair to Matt Chapman, he's at his best up there. He's got loads of trainers, loads of connections, and they've all had a bit of drink in them. So they, he gets fairly stuck into them and asks some punchy <laughs> enough questions. Always resulted in some fairly interesting interviews. So stand by for that on Tuesday. It was but- a, just before we, it was always a favourite of mine when Phil Smith came out, was it? He said, oh, I spent three to four weeks looking at this book. <laughs> <laughs> what, what? Jeez, all that job justification <laughs> off the scale. <laughs> I yeah, my, uh, that, that, that gives me, reminds me of another O'Leary line when he was particularly annoyed about some Phil Smith's handicapping and John Smith's were still the sponsors. He said, lads, it's the John Smith's Grand National, not the Phil Smith. <laughs> <laughs> Classic. Um, let's talk about national trials because we had one uh, at Haydock and one over in Ireland, obviously. Uh, as already mentioned, Brendan, quick wave. In in the in she goes for the Venetia Williams team. Thirty threes now from fifties for the Grand National itself. Obviously beating Slow Leopard, Snow Leopard S. That's TC's racing only better nap. Um, and then Coco Beach is thirty threes from sixty sixes after winning the Irish National Trial. Any interest in either of those at the same price? Quick Wave or Coco Beach at thirty threes for the National Brendan? 
Not particularly. I mean, Quick Wave's probably gone. It'll be interesting to see what, what they do with Quick Wave, actually, because there's an outside chance that they really rated the form that Snow Leopard S might just sneak into the race. Um, and, and she, of course, has a form over those fences. I don't think she's going to get enough uh, to, to get a high enough mark to get into the national, having gone off 10 to 1 for it last year. So that's a pity. Quick Wave is interesting. I mean, she's still an un- unexposed mare at the, at, at the age of 10 and is a ground versatile sort, but she's going to probably have a mark now in the low 150s. And that, that, that's going to be a fair ask. Cocoa Beach was 50 to 1 last year. It's going to be off a similar mark this time around. I mean, it does arrive in better form, ran well in the Tiestes, and that was a, a good effort at the weekend, but I'd be surprised if he's good enough. Okay, uh, let's rattle through a few of the other performances from the weekend. Um, Oscar Elite, who wanted to talk about him? Yeah, only because... Of, Sorry, I think, yeah, yeah. So obviously because um, the horse was, I think it was cut from eight from 16s for the Ultima. I know yeah, it was third, in, I know eight, it was third yeah. in the race last year, but... With the weights, with the entries not out until tomorrow, um, I don't know when the weights are coming out uh, afterwards. You could argue that you should have been pushing that horse out because if the handicapper takes a literal reading of that form, you know, beating a hundred and forty-five rated horse by seven and a half lengths, um, then you know, he could be handicapped out of it, couldn't he? Um, he was, like I said, racing up our mark of one hundred and thirty-eight last year when beaten into third. Yeah, I mean, you could argue that these horses that are cut should actually be pushed out because, like I said, if the handicapper does take a, a literal reading of that free runner race, then could have a, a mountain to climb weight-wise. Yeah, but like he won't, say- he, oh, sorry. He surely won't take a literal view of it. And, and also, he needs a few pounds to get into the ultimate, doesn't he? No, he was like third off 138 last year, I think. And he was, he was 135 going into that race. He's yeah. gonna get, he's gonna get five, isn't he? Minimum. Yeah. That, well, and, and, and like I said, and if he does take a, a harsh view of it, given the run in the race last year, then, like I said, he could, uh, he could be relatively hammered. But again, it's 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 a it's a bugbear of mine. People tipping up horses for handicaps at Cheltenham where they don't know the entries and don't know the weights. So. Oh, right. Um, yeah, yeah, ultimate bottom weights last five years, uh, 138, 132, 133, 140, 137. That's kind of the range you're talking about. Interesting. Well, yeah, after winning what is the outsider of three in that very week at Reynolds Town for the Tizard team, like TC said, he's now eight from 16. So they cut him in half for the Ultima off the back of that. Interesting to see how that goes for Team Oscar Elite. Um Quick rattle through a few of the others. Bo Zenith is now 16s from 33s for the Gary Moore team for the Triumph Hurdle. It's taken him a run to get o- off the mark over hurdles, but it will here in the UK at least. But he did it in fine fashion when we saw him at the weekend, sort of backing up the market confidence behind him when we have seen him, well, on his UK debut. Um, TC, do you have a strong view on him at all? I, again, I just wonder whether, obviously, he beat Blood Destiny in France, and it all depends on what the handicapper does because... If he's if he rates him on that Haydock run, then he could get into the uh, the Boodles off off a very decent mark. But again, you don't know how severe he's going to be on on that French form. But um, you know they also got Perseus Way for for that for the uh, handicap as well. But that was his third third run for the for the mark, and yeah, he'll be interesting. It, but again, it all depends on what the handicapper does. 
one to watch. Uh, Monty Starr over in Ireland won the group three, the grade three in Clonmel. Uh, is now aged from 20s for the Albert Bartlett, but beat the stable's own Hidden Valley Lake in the process, Brendan. Uh, not quite what the market or the yard seem to expect from Monty Starr, but what were your takeaways from Clonmel? Well, I was delighted. I, I haven't actually seen Monty start this, since this time last year when I saw him in, in Leopardstown. And he, I mean, he's some looker, this horse. And he, even then, he's, he's a huge frame. Now, he still had some filling out to do. So I imagine he has done that in the year I haven't seen him. Um, and it was just a lovely performance. His jumping was a bit sketchy as, 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 as it was in Navin. And he's still a bit clueless. Um, he, he, even when he even when he came to win the race, he logged in. He's a, he's a very inexperienced horse, and uh, as I say, I, I think he's just de- developing. Um, they're going to go for the Albert Bartlett. I mean, they have previous these connections uh, with winning that race with an unexposed horse who, who did uh, plenty wrong. But uh, the chances of Monty Starr having as big an engine as Manella Indo, for all that I love him, are are, are pretty slim. So mm-hmm. I, I I I'm not sure he'll know enough to win the Albert Bart, which is an unbelievable race, isn't it? You could probably name 10 legitimate contenders for that. A very deep race. I looked on the exchange and it's, I think it was nearly 10 plus the field. Okay, yeah, story checks. Uh, What did you think Um, of Hidden Valley Lake in in that race, Brendan? Because that was given um, the winner six pounds and obviously wasn't beaten far. And that was favourite the race. Well, I, and I have had people say to me they they, they crib the form, and it, it, I mean usually when you have three horses finishing on top of one another, they can't all be good. But I actually do like that Elliot horse as well. The slight concern I'd have with Hidden Valley Lake is he hasn't jumped as well in his two subsequent starts as he did first time out Nace. He was brilliant in Nace, and since then, I mean maybe it, 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 he's gone right-handed uh, on those two subsequent starts. Maybe that's a factor, although it's not obvious to me. Uh, yeah, no, I do think. I think it's it's good form and given Monty Star six pounds, but just slave to the aesthetic that I am. Monty Star has the physique, he has the pedigree, he's in the right hotel. I know this is an uber shrewd thing to say, but um, <laughs> wait to see him over fences. Love it. Lo- we love a cliche on this podcast, Brendan. Mm. Just to think about Hidden Valley Lake. I mean, the reason why I think it was Albert Bartlett favourite going into the race because all the all the uh, all the time bandits put him up, didn't they, after that court win? Time oh, right, bandits. Okay. Who's your favourite time bandit, TC? Um, I actually quite, I actually quite like Graham North's stuff on Sporting Life. Um, he does okay. it weights and measures or time or whatever. Yeah, something like that. So but I'm yeah, old. the Graham North writes a good column for the Sporting Life. It comes out on Tuesday, so yeah. Right. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be giving up on Hidden Valley Lake now. I oh. just, I just disappointed to be beaten. Like, but I, I'm making his making his own run, and I'd say it was far from ideal. And I'd say his jumping did suffer. I, I didn't mind his jump on a cork the time before. Like he's he's low, like but 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 he's quite neat. And I don't think making the runner was ideal. And it was a bit of a farce of a race. Like it took over it took over seven minutes to run this. Like it was funeral stuff. Uh, and I don't think that would really have been to his liking. So look, I'm, I'm sure you'll get some compensation in his price for Cheltenham because he was beaten. Um, but you know, with the weights, with the way the race went, etc., I wouldn't be surprised if he bounced back. Um, because I like TC, I, I quite liked him when he won a cork as well. So I, I wouldn't be jumping off based on based on this, I don't think. 
Kevin, I'm not being, I wasn't being rude, just ignoring you here in this little section of the review. I was just conscious that I didn't want to. Put yeah, I've, I've seen a limited amount of racing, but I did yeah. see that. <laughs> nice. Okay, great. Uh, finally, a quick mention to You Wear It Well, who's now 10s from 16s for the Mayor's Novices Hurdle at the festival, uh, back in the winner's enclosure, having taken the grade two at Sandown after that very good run at Newbury in the Chalo. Um, is she, I, I wonder if she was a mayor we're overlooking, TC. Do you have any interest in her? Yeah, I, I'd looked at her. Um, obviously, I went back and watched all the races this morning from the weekend because I didn't watch any of them live. And yeah, I was quite impressed by that. And I went on the exchange and she's 25 there, which I thought was a little bit dismissive. That might mean that they're not going to go to Cheltenham. I haven't seen any running plans. But yeah, that market's interesting because I do know, um, whisper it quietly, I, I do know that some people in the Henderson camp want to run the favourite of the Mayor's Novice Hurdle, Lucia. Uh, in the Supreme getting seven pounds, but um I'm not sure they'll win that battle. But um Harrison loves a bunch of horses. I was just I was just teeing it up for you again, Ken, to give to give that to give that a push. But yeah, I mean that's yeah, 25 seems a bit dismissive, but when when you get that a chunk looking up to lay him at 25 in the exchange, you just think, well actually is it is she gonna go there? But yeah, I mean she wouldn't look out of place in that. I mean, outside of Ashro Diamond and Lucia, it's, you know, it's, it's yeah. figures the field, the rest. I did wonder if she was slightly being overlooked. Um, that has confirmed my thoughts. Thank you, TC. Let's move on to Footsteps of the Festival. This is week seven. We've already dived into a load of the big races. And now, I don't know, Barry or probably will hate me for saying this, but I feel like this is kind of dribs and drabs week because we're talking about the bumper and the National Hunt Chase. Um, I don't know what we're going to fill uh, footsteps of the festival with from now but, until the festival. But, such, but, such a divide between the, Brit the, 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 the British and the Irish. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. On the, on the bumper in particular. <laughs> this, this is like the big week for the Irish listeners and, and watchers. Whereas for me as a Brit, I'm thinking this is just dribs and drabs. We're scraping the I think, I think there's some abuse incoming on, uh, on WhatsApp. I'm sure. I'm, oh, it's just popped up. Thank yeah. you, Barry. Well, I'm not going to read it, Barry. I know you're listening. I'm not reading it. Let's talk about the champion bumper. Uh, it's for me. It's a 77 to 2 favourite for Team Willie Mullins, who's got a whole host in here. 5 to 1, a dream to share. 7 to 1, fun, fun, fun. Uh, loads of, like, geez, bigger prices after that. But my God, like, where to start with the champion bumper? Who would like to go first here? Oh, well, as, no, as no, I've had to do some prep for this, and everyone knows I don't bet in bumpers, um, don't certainly don't tip in them, but I might end up having a bet having looked having looked uh, today. I was primarily I was just googling John McConnell because I want to see the latest on Marla's missions. Are we going to do the national one chase in a minute? Yeah. A story popped up overnight on Encanto Bruno, and now, and I know I, I was impressed by him. In October, and I just thought, you know, what's happened to him since? I know they were going to take it easy after that and come straight to a spring race, but it sounds like they're going to come to Cheltenham. And you look at his form; it's you know, it's it's quite impressive. I mean, he beat he beat a horse in his sole point that won a, a bumper on his next start, a Punchestone earlier in the season. Then he won in July from a next time out subsequent winner, and obviously he beat. Well, he beat, he's had a side to at Cheltenham in October when he beat a uh, strong leader. Now, strong leader has won his next three starts and is, is quite a fair, you know, it's quite a fair tool in his own right. So, yeah, I think the form's really strong. Um, obviously, the fact he hasn't been out for so long is, 
you know, maybe a negative, but if it's always been the plan, then so be it. And yeah, he's 20 to one plus on the exchange. And I just thought, you know, don't get me wrong. I mean, I, you could name me 10 horses that are going to run in the race and I wouldn't have a clue. Um, and I don't think we've even got the entries until February the 28th. So we don't even, you know, I would be a bit of a hypocrite if I'm saying, you know, back, back in, you know, don't back in handicaps. You don't know the entries and weights and, putting up a horse that we don't know he's even going to be entered in the race. But it sounds like it is from the from the overnight story. I think it was the Irish Times. Yeah, in Canto Bruno, it interests me at 21 plus. Okay, a rare bumper poke for TC. And that really, that moment where I said, who would like to talk about the bumper first, really summed up how I imagined you guys to be in class when you were all in school. <laughs> TC, like Kevin Blake, very politely, just raised his hand like, me, sir, me, sir. Uh, Brendan, back of the class, staying silent. They'll come to me in their own time. TC, not even a hand raised, just bang, straight in. I tell you what, I used to have, a, you know, you used to get them, uh, obviously you used to get the blackboards and you used to get them blackboard rubbers. Yeah. times this one teacher actually launched i'm telling you he actually launched this wooden blackboard rubber out at me the amount of times it just hit me a glancing blow and stuff like that yeah i, sh- I should have put my hand up and waited to be asked yeah i just don't think i should have learned my lesson back then given your behavior on this part i just don't think that that rubber to the <laughs> head to think, I, think he, I think the teacher was miller windy miller yeah, yeah. one day i'll tell you a story a bastard, good name for a horse <laughs> yeah one day i will tell you a very funny if you know your horse it'd definitely be called windy summing flake wouldn't it yeah <laughs> windy, windy windy henderson probably has too many legs <laughs> <laughs> school school stories podcast would be a good one because i think we've all got good ones i had a terrible incident with a teacher called mr marsh but i'll come to that another time oh yeah but- I, I, I could give you some great stories from my days as the as the class bookie when i was in school ah, <laughs> nice like it uh, laying the foundations early but talk to me about the champion bumper kevin we're coming to you next because you raised your hand so politely yeah, like look, look, Fav is um is it's for me, obviously. Um Willie bowled for the first time. Look, visually highly impressive. Form, I I I don't know. I don't know about that form. It's taken a couple of nudges since, um, negative nudges, I should say, or 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 blows is probably a better way of putting it. Um and I think John Kiley's got the one to beat here, which is just absolutely fantastic on a number of fronts. A dream to share. Um, well-bred horse, bred, bred to be a flat horse, really. He's, he's a half-brother to um, raise you. Very good stare on the flat. Um, bred, formerly owned by, by Brian Gleeson of ITV RTE, subsequently has changed hands and gone to JP McManus. But um, like, if this was, now I almost said it, but this was highly impressive at Leopardstown in, in the grade two highly impressive the type of performance that in previous years with previous connections has led to them being, being lobbed in as a very sharp price fan for the champion bumper and uh, look i know his origins are of a, of a summer bumper horse but he came back from his absence he was targeted at the grade two at the Dublin racing festival and he was fiercely impressive i thought he showed serious gears um to, to put himself in the race you know ridden by john gleason brian son who, who is genuinely a very good amateur um and you wouldn't mind him at all. He keeps the ride, I believe. But I'd say if John could ride it again, I'd say the horse um, slightly surprised him with how how quickly he got into the race, having been ridden quietly. John just asked him to go forward, and he exploded forward and um, ultimately won very well, beating a bunch of previous winners, etc. I thought it was highly impressive. It would have fully justified him going into Fav. It hasn't. 
and he's still kind of you know five to one neck of the woods. Um, I, I suspect he'll he'll be a significant shortener closer to the time um, and to, to remove the, the form head for the minute. How fantastic would it be for John Kiley to have a Cheltenham Festival winner mm-hmm. um, well into his 80s, John Kiley. Like it, his exploits will probably have come, you know, too, too much in the past for many of the younger listeners. Like, but go, go and educate yourself on John Kiley, lads, if, you, if you're not too familiar with him. More, more recent years, Carlingford Lock, but going back way, way further than that. Um, absolute legend of a man. And a, and a gentleman to go with it, and I hope he gets plenty of spotlight um, going into the festival, if all as well with this horse, because um, he he would be fully entitled to it, and this horse would be very much entitled to it as well. Okay, a dream to share. The big shout then at five to one currently from Kevin for the champion bumper, and finally over to the quiet, polite kid in the corner, Brendan Duke. Who do you fancy for the champion bumper at this stage? Well, I'd like to preface these comments by uh, saluting the teacher's grown-up attitude to bumpers. Uh, and like most English people, don't care. And you're spot on. I, I, I can't really explain it. There's something twisted in the Irish psyche that bumpers just taps into. It's a, it's a deep it's a deep primal thing. I, I haven't really worked it out. I don't care about the champion bumper. I'd probably watch the race, in fairness. Uh, if, you ask me, if you ask me for a selection... I go for this Western Diego. The form ties in with the fav, as Kevin says. Is the form worth anything? I haven't a clue. You'd be, I suppose, you'd be concerned that he started off over two miles, three furlongs in nice, but he did travel very sweetly that day. Looked fairly professional in the race. And if you're looking for a tentative, I mean, tentative selection, that would be mine. Okay. And I should say, Vanessa, I gave a very enthusiastic shout for a dream to share there, but I, I would echo, uh, I'm a much more British in my mindset in this race. This would pretty much be top of my list of races to throw in the bin if you gave me the chance for, for the Cheltenham right. Festival. Well, I just, I just like to point out, I like the bumper when people I know or like win it, but just uh, at this stage, it, it's not appealing to me massively. So that would here's, be- here's one for you, potential lose angle. Um, Oshie Murphy has taken out a National Hunt licence. Correct. Um, I wonder, could he get a, a spin for Willie Mullins, who who I assume is going to have like literally ten runners in the race? And yeah, um, it could it could be an interesting one. Yeah. No. Yes, what, sorry. When is the bumper? What day is it? Wednesday. Wednesday. What? What it, is it, the thing? It failed a breath test by then. Uh, uh, going to Cheltenham. <laughs> What is the thing about having flat jockeys riding in the bumper? I, I, I mean, I don't know enough about this, but do you not want bang for your book in, in terms of what the jockey can do with the weight as opposed to a carrying dead yeah. in the saddle? Yeah, yeah. It, it, became, sure, it became very fashionable there kind of 20, 15 years ago. Jamie Spencer rode the winner. Like a, a whole host of lads had a crack at it, but I know I remember the, the late Pat Smollin and I know both Joseph had done a go, Brian, they weren't. Um, they weren't full of enthusiastic for their, enthusiasm for the race after riding in it. It's an absolute, um, like a horrific race to ride in, seemingly. I imagine um, Black Jockeys would have a target on their back, wouldn't they, for the old jump? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Fallon, um, refinement ran very well for Fallon. Um, definitely once, maybe twice. Um, I'm sure a whole host of them have had a crack, but um, not many have won it. I think Spencer might be the only one, I think. Yeah, yeah I think they've got a pretty pretty poor record in the race as a whole um national hunt chase six to four five is gaylord de Manille, four to one next best Ramillies, six to one churchstone warrior sevens marla mission eights chemical energy city chief mr coffee sixteens bar this a bit like the albert bartlett is a very deep race i thought plenty in here with chances plenty to make cases for i expect you all to put your pin on different horses here please i will start with brendan go for it 
Okay. Uh, I, again, just a little caveat. Uh, Bet Betfair aren't and home runner no bet at the moment for this race, and they're, they're, I mean there will be in the next week to ten days would be my hunch. But uh, City Chief. There's a chance he won't run because Joe Donnelly ha- owns the first two on the market. Now, they're not both going to run. I mean, Patrick seems to be all over Ryan Geyer de Mene, So I imagine he'll run and Ramillies will go for the Brown advisory. This is more levels within levels, Winnie Mullen stuff. Apologies in advance. But I mean, he hasn't actually got much for the Brown advisory. He said, oh, we might step Sir Gerhard up. But that would be some drastic move wouldn't it, to go from <laughs> winning a two-mile novice chase up to this right now. It's, it's not impossible, but I, I suspect you'll see remedies in this race but back to my selection city chief who is has just been a very slow learner in in his life but has progressed with every race ran well in a handicap in punchestown last year off a mark in the low 130s punchestown wouldn't have been his track at all he got a bit lost in the race but he showed a lot of heart uh his chasing debut we made a bad mistake in exeter and that put paid to him nico looked after him that he jumped well in hereford second time up albeit a, a bit to the left which is, is not a concern at this track and then i thought he was very good in weatherby again beating o'toole it's a pity bally griffin cottage had a physical issue so it's a pity that might have given the the, the form greater substance but i i i, I rate that o'toole and he, he jumped brilliant that day, City Chief. I think he'll absolutely relish the, chip, the, the trip now. Bowen said after the race, and um, I don't want to be p- picking on Henderson again, but he did say that, oh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure he's ready for Cheltenham. Maybe we'll wait for air. I assume he meant the three-mile novice chase as opposed to the Scottish National. But I think this is a thing jockeys do at Henderson. They know the game, is it? So they give him a little stop. Oh, he's such a lovely, big, cuddly baby, Nicky. Maybe. <laughs> but the, the thing about this, this race is, of course, it's a changed race. It's not a handicap anymore. So you're not going to get a massive field. Um, they're, they're not going to go on Matt Gallop because it's three mile six. I think he'd be able to get into a lovely rhythm. He's a highly progressive horse. He'll stay the trip. So wait. I, I mean, he's eight one at the moment with Betfair, but when, when they go number one and no better, I'd say the shortest he'd be is sevens, and I'd say that that's a very fair price. But I, I would take the NRMB option. Okay, like it. TC over to you for the National Hunt Chase. Strong view in this anywhere? Yeah, the uh, the Sports Picard number one and no better on Tuesday. So oh, okay. if you want to take um, Brent's advice, maybe wait to uh, wait until then. Um, yeah, I have got a strong uh, uh, strong opinion actually. Um, Here we go. I'm hoping Willie Mullins takes the brave man's route, and obviously he's he's a far more braver, adventurous trainer than Nicky Henderson. <laughs> um, that that much is clear. I mean, his, recent history has shown he always always goes for the races that. Uh, <laughs> That other other trainers wouldn't go for. Yeah. <laughs> He's an amazing individual like that. So adventurous. That's his middle's name, actually. Really <laughs> adventurous Mullins. I'm, I'm I'm banking on the fact that it's going to run the horse that in the right race in the Brown Advisory, and that's obviously Gaia de Manil. Yeah, and that leaves yeah. it open for him running. You know, Ramirez and maybe uh, Nicky Henderson will go here with City Chief for Joe Donnell as well. So. I've been working on that basis. It's probably the totally wrong basis, but I, I've been chipping away at Marla's mission uh, on the exchange, and I've also backed him on one I know bet as well. But um, yeah, I, I quite like the horse. I mean, he was very good uh, when he won over three miles, and he was a little bit disappointing when he got beaten the ten up last time. Um, but then again, Churchstone Warrior did finish second at Gay Ardmanil in Group One, uh, Grade One company beforehand. 
So it was a little bit disappointing there. But I just think he's all over a stayer. And I think, I think obviously it was only a narrow defeat last time, but you go back and have a look at John McConnell's form in the last couple of, uh, couple of months. He's only had one winner in January and February uh, after a good early spell. And I'm just wondering whether, you know, the, the, the horse can be made better and fitter on the back of that. Um, hopefully they'll be in better form in, in three weeks' time. And I think Marla's mission, who's got plenty of stamina in his pedigree and just shapes like a, an out-and-out dower, they are grinded to me. Yeah, I thought Marla's mission, he's around about 10 on the exchange if you want to back him all in. Um, I don't think that's a bad price. But just hopefully, uh, like Mullins goes uh, Mullins goes to the three-mile route for um, Gerda Manil, because otherwise, I just unfortunately, I just think he'll win this. But um, I, I, like I said, I think he's a three-miler rather than the, a grinder, the favourite. Yeah, I should say when I sort of teed this race up and said it was plenty of depth, I kind of mean away from Gaylord de Manil, who's obviously sixth four at the top of the market, pretty short price. But I'm like TC, I'm hopeful that he's going to go for the shorter trip, which opens this race wide up. We've got one vote for City Chief, one vote for Marla Mission. Kev, where did you land? Yeah, I look, it, the, the race would change a lot if Gayer doesn't run, but look. Patrick, I'd say, has has a tendency to to get his way, and look where Millie's wouldn't be a bad ride either. But um, Gayard, I'd say, he very much has his eyes on. Um, look, I I like Manila Crooner. He's a big price. I kind of had him in mind for this race, kind of coming into this season. And I know Gordon specifically mentioned that at the bigger, very very beginning of the season, and he's been kind of tricking away there without setting the world massively alight. But like he is is he's a one forty five horse. He looks like a really dour sayer. Um, with a bit of luck, Jamie Codd might end up riding him. You know, Chemical Energy is in there as well. They'd kind of set him aside for, for this race as well. I, I'd forgive his run, his recent run at Nace. You know, I think that they've always said ground is very important with him and he didn't get it that day. So that those would be the main two candidates for, for Jamie Codd. But um, I, I do like Manila Crooner. I like him as an novice herder as well. Um, and I don't think we've seen his very best day on the track yet. And this sort of test might help bring out his very best. So, you know, 16 to 1 or so as an alternative to, to the Fav would, would appeal to me. I, I, I should add there's been a bit of money around in the last couple of weeks for Mr. Coffee because sounds like Henderson's booked Derek O'Connor. Um, but if you're backing that horse at a single figure price for a Cheltenham race, it's a bit of a twicer. Oh, no, it ran well in, in the King Mule last year, but that's the reason why there's been money for Mr. Coffee who. Threw it away a little bit. You talked to it last time, but that's okay. the reason behind the cash for that one. Let's move on to section four of the show where we are going to talk all things news topics from the week just been. And there's been a lot of uproar on social media about the airbrush photo of Rachel Blackmore winning the Gold Cup on a Plutard from last year. The advertising campaign that is all around London currently, which is brilliant to see a big advertising campaign. It's on all the tubes, trains and various posters and electronic advertising boards around London. There's a picture of Rachel Blackwell going across the line and her whip has been airbrushed out. This has been picked up by racing fans. People um, within racing have noticed this, obviously, and there's been a fair bit of uproar about it. I obviously want to get the boys' views on this. I mean, the questions are, Is does this picture sort of tell us everything that's what's wrong with racing you know the fear the pandering to the public shooting ourselves in the foot living in this kind of very fearful mindset no confidence in our sport or our product or 
is the person who made the decision to airbrush out the whip, making a choice to eliminate a potential turnoff to the general public to try and attract more eyes to our sport. I don't know where you boys stand. I want everyone's views on this. I've read some very interesting thoughts and some sort of slightly mental extremist views. <laughs> Shall we start with Kevin Blake here? Obviously, the whip is an issue you have spoke at length about, but in this particular Photoshop gate, what are your thoughts? Oh, look, it's just a bit depressing, isn't it? Um, like, look, my thing with the whip for, for so long has been you know, rather than being so fearful of it and what people think of it, you know, why are we uh, trying to educate? You know, the BHA in particular have made next to no effort to ever educate people on, on what it is, why it's used, the realities of it. Um, you know, I remember I recall them having a stand one day at um, York races when I was there during the international meeting and they had a stand there with racing whips for people to pick up and use. And it's great. That's exactly what's needed. But they, that, that that's past your time has shown that that was just a token thing so that they could say they did it, I suspect. Um, and this is, it's just a bit depressing, isn't it? You know, what are you embarrassed about? What are you, ashamed, what are you ashamed about to do this? You know, this is horse racing. This is jockeys carry a whip. They use it for encouragement. That is going to be the case going forward. One assumes for quite some time has been for hundreds of years. You know, are you really that insecure? You know, do you really think that um, any any backlash which would come from something like this, which it wouldn't, you know, yeah, just, I, I find I find it so depressing that this whole thing is just um, it, it's depressing. It's insecurity. We talk about it all the time. I don't want to repeat the same points again and again, but. You know, I go back to, I wrote about this years ago, conducted a poll on Twitter amongst my like really racing focused followers. You know, have you ever personally handled um, a, a racing whip? You know, and the vast majority hadn't. You know, there's there's been no effort to educate. You know, I think anyone that handles a modern racing whip is going to have very limited concerns. And um, when it's fully explained to them why it's used, you know, as, as the trigger for the horse's flight response, which we've bred them for for hundreds of years, um, et cetera, et cetera. You know, do we need to talk about it at length in within the tent? Um, I don't know if we do, but it's just so depressing that the people in charge of campaigns such as this, which, which are public facing, would be so insecure to do to make a decision like that. It's just depressing. Okay, vote of depression from Kevin Blake. Yeah. Uh, Brendan Duke, did you think this was a sensible decision, airbrushing out a whip from whoever decided to do that? No, I, I, I didn't, but um, I, I, maybe I'm just getting old and uh, curmudgeonly, but I, increasingly I, I don't understand the modern world, which I, I think is completely distorted from reality. I mean, every week in in the papers you'll see something about i don't know intimacy coaches or people reading books to see if there's anything offensive and going back to the authors and saying maybe you want to have a look at this and i just feel like it's a very vocal minority of people who would be offended by this and and you get this distorted reality where the feedback you're getting is gone oh it's a what about the poor horse getting hit by the whip and 99 percent of people who walk by that ad don't even notice it's a perfectly acceptable image and they wouldn't even think to comment on it on social media but someone has a job now and they say well if we take the whip out we won't get that vocal but tiny minority who will say anything so 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 we'll take it out and i think it's it's incredible that people have jobs doing i mean we've all got to eat in fairness but um yeah 
it, it, it is uh, uh, disappointing and but it just seems like the way the modern world's going so uh, maybe I'm, I'm just being left behind hopefully it'll get so ludicrous with things like this that there'll be there'll actually be a backlash and the the ninety nine percent of people who don't notice will will just say to advertisers and what I have you stop cancelling people stop cancelling products just because of this tiny amount of people but those ninety nine percent of people are busy out there working having children they haven't got time to be responding to this rubbish on Twitter uh, well, so the- so I don't know how it's gonna it's gonna end up but it is uh, it's baffling and disappointing to me. I suppose the thing is, is well, not the thing at all, but one note is, you know, the minority are so vocal courtesy mm. of the modern world and modern technology yes. and having a platform in Twitter mm. and Instagram and social media to voice what they want to voice. And it was social media that, well, it was Twitter specifically, Tony, yeah. that whipped up this storm within racing, comes back to that social media platform. Um, and you're obviously regularly across that. Were you surprised by the reaction? not really because it like you said it's it is depressing is it it's it is insecurity and it someone did make me laugh on twitter this morning he said uh, i wonder what the bha's inventor problem team are working on this week and it's kind of like you can see them having a what can we make an issue out of that isn't an issue uh you know uh this, to, this to distract from the bit from the real issues but, they, but the thing about this i mean like i said this story, right, it breaks. And I think Tony Coleman um, used to be a journalist, retired now. He posted he posted uh, this image, um, you know, and he's been out there for months, apparently. Uh, he posted this image and then it all kicks off from there. And, right, and it would be a real, real big reaction uh, back of that. So if I'm, a, if I'm a daily journalist, I've got a newspaper column, um, I've got an outlet. Um, first thing I would do, I would find out who made that decision to airbrush it out. Now, as far as I'm aware, and I could stand to be corrected, has anybody found out who made that decision? Uh, and everyone seems to be distancing themselves from it. And therein lies the problem, doesn't it? I mean, there's no there's no accountability for that. And you know, it's like Kevin said, I mean, the, the word is insecurity, and it's and it is depressing. Yeah. Okay, well, it kind of leads us on then to the next talking point, which is Julie Harrington over in Australia. Um, She has been at the big global racing conference where lots of people have gathered to talk all things racing, uh, loads of different areas. I think it was a three-day conference. And she did an interview, was it, with Lee Mottershead in the Racing Post uh, or spoke to Lee Mottershead, I think, from the Racing Post. And some interesting quotes came out from said conversation with Lee, specifically in regards to the whip and uh, the new whip rules and the effects that that's going to have on Cheltenham. Um, And I guess... Lots of people have jumped on her comments and not really uh, agreeing with some of the stuff she said. There's lots of negativity, essentially, coming out of said quotes. And so as a result, our great boss that is <laughs> that is Barry Orr has decided that we should turn this round into a positivity podcast. And we are going to name some things that we are proud of in racing or that we think racing does well because we speak so negatively about lots of the issues. So my first point to throw into the mix on the positivity podcast that is weighed in is I'm very proud 
well, I'm very pleased with the racing's racing's media coverage, I think it's fair to say. Obviously, we have loads of days on ITV through the year. Tony Calvin is pulling a face already. We have two dedicated racing <laughs> channels. Yes, they get lots of abuse. People don't like some of the stuff that is shown, the split screens, etc., etc. But ultimately, we have two designated channels to the sport, which I think is pretty impressive in this day and age. And on top of that, I don't know the numbers, but ITV basically, ITV Sport throw the kitchen sink at racing. They give us a huge platform and specifically around our big racing festivals, you know, leading up to Cheltenham this year, the news came out. I think they're doing 90 minute morning shows, aren't they? Um, they'll cover every race from the Cheltenham Festival. They'll have a full team, camera angles, everything you could wish for. It might not be everyone's cup of tea in terms of when you're watching the product. Some of us want more betting. Some of us want more lifestyle. Some of us want more paddock pieces, et cetera, et cetera. But what I'm talking about is the actual hours that racing gets in the media, specifically on the TV, I think is above and beyond what other, you know, other sports would be very jealous of the amount of coverage and programming we have. And so for that, I'm very pleased and proud. And that is reflected in ITV's viewing figures, which are holding up very well in this modern world. Everyone's attention is being grabbed elsewhere, yet the ITV racing viewing figures are still very positive. And for that, I am very pleased and proud of in our sport. So that's my little pleased and proud moment. Kevin, what are you pleased and proud of? I'm proud of 99% of it, Vanessa. I'm more, I'm more incessantly. Like, I really do, and I, I annoy myself at times, but like, I, I love this game so much, that, like, for, from, from the day the foals are born up until the end. Like, I love it deeply, and it's a fabulous, fabulous sport, and it's actually, like, in really good shape. When you step back away and look away from the, the I suppose, the real specifics that we hone in on, look broader, like, we're actually in really good shape. Like in Ireland, it's the second most popular spectator sport in the country. Like one and a half million people going racing every year. UK, five and a half million people, you know, choosing to leave their homes and go in many cases, pay in the gate to go watch the sport. What you've mentioned, terrestrial television coverage, you know, unbelievable shop window for the game. Two dedicated channels like the, the, uh, the underlying bloodstock industry, there's thousands upon thousands of people all over the world that are willing to go to auctions and pay hundreds of thousands of euros and pounds and everything else to, to go have a crack at having a good racehorse. Like it's an incredibly healthy sport industry in so, so many ways Like we really shouldn't be, we shouldn't take for granted all the good, but we do so often. Like we're, we're in really good shape. I suppose the thing you know, you compare it to greyhound racing, you know, a, a wonderful sport that, that is in, in the gutter now in, in so many of the aspects that I've mentioned there, you know, med wider media coverage, general health. Like that's a game that's really in trouble, you know, that you, and you, it's, it's a cautionary tale for us, really. You know, I th and I think uh, uh, Jack Cantillon posted a great thread there on Twitter yesterday about what we can do going forward, you know, ideas to progress and, and make things better. And there was so much positivity in it. Uh, and really, the overarching message I give is like, we do need to be prouder. We do need to be more positive. We do need to be more confident in what we have and how good we are at doing it. Uh, as we put that um, in front of us going forward, rather than constantly being frightened and worried and, and looking for the, you know, the the great um, the, the great promised land of you know new race scores. Jesus Christ, that's we've we've hundreds of thousands of current race scores, current racing fans 
that, that we don't give enough attention to and aren't appreciative of enough. Um, so, so, so that'd be it. Like, I actually think we're in great shape. I really do. We just, I, it, just, it just frustrates me that uh, we, we don't maximize everything we have. And that's why we focus in on so many um, areas of concern, etc. because we know that we can maximize it better if we're a bit braver, a bit more innovative, a bit more forward thinking. Um, but in a nutshell, lads, we, we have a great game. We really, we really and truly do. And I'm very proud of it. I'm loving this level of positivity, but Barry has asked me to nail you down on one thing specifically, as that was the brief. So very briefly, your one thing, would it be the bloodstock side of things, the healthy nature of that? I think that's crucial. You know, yeah. we've got we've got serious financial problems on the racing side, but the bloodstock side is fantastic. And and that's not going to change, Vanessa. Whereas we'll, we'll, we'll touch on it in, in the questions. You know, there are multiple racing jurisdictions that are in far better shape than us because their financial model is much better. And it's going to be very difficult for us to compete with them. But UK and Ireland, Ireland in particular, I dare say, will remain the best place in the world to breed thoroughbreds. And that's going to be of crucial, crucial importance to us going forward. And, and that's something we need to focus in on and make sure that stays as healthy as possible because it's in great shape and it should remain, hopefully. Okay. Um, TC, you're not a man necessarily synonymous with positivity, um, but... <laughs> but When you tell the truth and actually give a, 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 an honest opinion in this game, he's, oh, well, you're negative, you're aware. I, mean, I didn't say reality. that. I didn't the reality of the situation is... The sport is on his ass in this country, financially, from a betting perspective, from a funding perspective, from a prize money perspective. And like Kevin said, it is a great game, but it's being refereed by the wrong people. We'll come up, we'll, hopefully we'll touch on Julie Harrington's 45% line in a moment. But the reason why I was grimacing earlier, Vanessa, when you, when you said what you did say is, I yeah. totally agree with you about the ITV coverage. Now, as someone who writes columns when every time you know ITV broadcast. I mean, the, the amount of times they've got stuff on TV with a Sunday series, and I don't obviously go anywhere near the Racing League stuff, uh, but um, I, I just think it's a massive positive for the sport. And I actually think one of the strengths of the sport is actually his biggest weakness because with the two, with, with Sky Sports Racing, with Racing TV, with ITV Racing, no other sport would have that kind of blanket coverage without even getting outside your front door. So attendances are down. They, but the, but one of the reasons why attendances are down is no one's got any money and they can watch, and most people can watch anything they like on their TV or streaming, you know, without going anywhere. And, you know, no other sport can, can do that. So ITV is the biggest strength and the, the daily coverage from the other two channels is, but it's also a big, a big weakness. And, but if you ask me for one thing more facetiously, after Richard Hall's explanation on, at Newbury on Friday and um, Sunday, I now know all the rules about walkovers and I'll need them going forward. <laughs> I knew you were never going to be a straightforward answer here, but okay, we'll take that. Um, Brendan Duke, give me one thing you're proud of, you're pleased about in racing, your big highlight for racing right now. What What is it? Well, as you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a complete fanboy. Um, I would have grave... <laughs> I would have grave concerns for national racing in say 15 to 20 years in England, just the, the, the way it's going and the, the, the way English, British people, should I say, talk about animals and anthropomorphize them. I, I, I think it's doomed personally, but uh, just a couple of positive things. I saw a guy, he's the Goodwood Managing Director. I can't remember his name, but earlier Adam this Waterworth. year. Say again? Adam Waterworth. 
Adam Walworth, lovely. Thanks, Tony. Uh, they lost a couple of, uh, maybe a listed on a group three. Uh, they, the BHA decided to get rid of some of these races because obviously the programme is bloated and there are a lot of factions in UK racing. The race course has been a, a, a very powerful one. But he said uh, something had to be done and we're willing to take our share of the pain. So it's positive to see that uh, at, at least that faction realised that, OK, something needs to be done and and they're going to try. And I would also just uh, indulge me. I'd like to mention young people go and race. Uh, when, when, when I go to Punchestown or the DRF, you'll have noticed all, all the young people there. Now, they're not specifically there for the racing. They're there to dress up and go with their friends. But it doesn't matter. It's bums on seats. And racing is a sport that people come to later in life anyway, generally, because you, you follow the sports you, you played and watched in school. So it's, it's not a massive issue to worry about. But the fact that they see racing on the bigger days as a day out where they can dress up and hang out with their friends is a positive thing. OK, love that. Positivity. Left, just, right, just one thing before we move on to the questions. I mean, you were over that, that, that Julie Harrington line about 45 percent of young people aren't. I don't engage in the sport or are turned off by the whip, etc. You were over that quite quickly, wouldn't you? That that um that that thing she was referencing, the actual survey. Um can you flesh out some details of that, Brendan? Because I mean, if I'm well, really, there yeah. were 129 students that's that's, were, that's were right. That and 45% figure. And there were ten. There were ten people in 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 a focus group. So I don't know a huge amount about extrapolating data uh, from, from sample sets. So so I asked a few people about this. It just seemed like a very low number to me. And they said, well, it's possible if you get a really like you you, you want a top class marketing company now to find you a, a sample, and still there's a, as a margin for error, but. Um, with, with a normal sample of 130 people, the margin for error is about plus or minus 8%. So it's too much. And then she went a bit further. She looked into it and she said, I don't like this targeted social media post business either. We had something similar that happened to us. And what it, you don't really know who you're dealing with. Obviously, people fill in their names. But what can happen is that interest groups sort of, uh, relay th this post amongst their friends and say, make sure to reply to this. Now, of course, it could have been pro-racing people that did the same thing, but either way, the information is seriously dodgy. So she, she, she didn't like the way this was done, the sample size too small, the targeted social media posts. She just doesn't think uh, so social media works. And then you're, you're making these, well, these draconian penalties for jockeys and these twinging changes to, to, to the whip rules based on what could be misinformation. Um, yeah. it, 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 I was just surprised at uh, how, how few people, I thought maybe I had it wrong, but you were saying then that you, it, 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 some people asked a few questions, which, which hasn't been answered, but um, it's, a, it's a sin of omission. It looks like that is the survey that they're basing these findings on, and yeah. it's a tricky it's probably okay, not the way to go. Yeah, look, quickly, Vanessa, you have to be so, so careful with these polls. And I'm so wary of them because you really need to look into the detail because we've seen this with the whip before in the UK. Like, I, I pull up an old article here. I have that there was, at the time, the whip was getting, there people were getting riled up again about the whip five or six years ago. There was a poll doing the rounds and the headline was, um, 2,106 adults in Britain were surveyed and 68% of respondents either opposed 30% or strongly opposed 38% the use of the whip in racing. And that was the headline. And that's what I was doing the rounds. But I, I went and dug and I found the actual, the actual survey. 
And the question that they that they asked in it was, the racing industry says that whips are used on horses for safety and encouragement. Those against the use of whips on horses say they cause pain to horses and are used more often in the final stages of a race to bully horses to run to their physical limit. To what extent do you support or oppose the use of whip, <laughs> the use of the whip in horse racing? Like Jesus Christ, like you couldn't yeah. you could you could have loaded them more, but it's pretty loaded as it is. And and yeah. people are making decisions and using you you know I'm surprised that it wasn't more than sixty eight percent the way they worded it you know so you just have to be very careful and you can't help but think with the BHA that it's been such a consistent thing with them re the whip and their their apparent opposition to it that uh, I'm all, you have you have to be going with your eyes open and be a little bit skeptical until you see the details of these surveys and opinion yeah. polls etc. Okay, let's move on to question time because we've got loads of questions this week, apparently, as TC has told me. Uh, but he has pulled out the best five, which is the strategy we're going down. And so as a result, we've got some high caliber questions. And we're going to start with Andy Stewart, who has asked, this is a Shishkin related question. Why do people convince themselves one hard battle finishes a horse, in inverted commas? Battles aside, Shishkin had another legitimate reason for his champion chase no-show, but it was rarely mentioned when assessing his performance. Is that something we've we've overlooked, uh, Kev? We'll come to you. Yeah, well, you know what? You know why it happens, and a lot of it is language of trainers, and I'm not going to pick on Nikki because others do it as well. <laughs> but, but, like, th- there is this narrative, and because the programme book has evolved the way it has um, and enabled a lot of ducking and diving and picking and choosing that a lot of trainers, it's in their interest to talk up this impact uh, of a hard race uh, as a means to to enable their their conservatism, you know, and, and like, like, you know, Nicky uh, has, has had some shocking cases in recent years, you know, oh, if we ran him on this ground, it would have finished him, he would have been in his box for a year, etc. You know, to me, highly irresponsible stuff. But when, especially younger race scores and younger racing fans hear that sort of thing from, from top, top operators, you know, the, 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 that appeal to authority, they will believe it uh, and start to regurgitate it. And before you know it, you have a, a general feeling of, oh, God, you know, Shishkin, oh, when he beat an argument, that bottled him for the year, you know, finished him, etc. You, you get this sort of thing. And it's absolute rubbish. Like, that's Jesus Christ. Go back 20 years and look at the way the horses were campaigned more commonly then. You know, go back and look at even Cotto Star um, and, and those good horses, Desert Orchid, if you want to go back further. They're capable of doing in, in, incredible things by modern standards. It's just it suits trainers and owners to be a bit pickier um, and, and to look to land them, you know, to the likes of Cheltenham as, as fresh as possible. But it's, it's, to me, it's, it's a complete red herring in the main. Okay, red herring. Sarah Burrow has asked a very good question, um, like this one. Penalties for trainers pulling runners in January and February due to ground, when same ground occurs at Cheltenham. Surely just an excuse to get the horse to the festival, showing that it is the something, the be-all and end-all of the season. No good for racing as a whole. We see this a lot this time of year. Horses being pulled out due to the ground, yet if the ground comes up with similar conditions at Cheltenham, the horse will run TC. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I think it might have been triggered by by Newbury having only 28 runners on on Sunday. And yeah, I mean, it's, it, is a, it, is a, it is a problem, isn't it? Because when you remember when Nicky pulled um, Shishkin out and Alan King pulled Edward Stone out, and I think there was a long press out on that as well. And in fact, Alan King's, Comments were equally as, in fact, more so pointed than 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 Henderson's on the day that day. 
Um, it, yeah, if for example you are pulling horses out and Ascot that day, it was on it, the time suggested you're on the soft side of good, uh, and all this quick ground talk is is relevant. She does make a very good point there because if you remember when you know when when Constitution Hill won the Supreme uh, last year, I mean that that couldn't have been good to soft ground given given the time he posted. So. Uh, and would would he run on that kind of ground away from Cheltenham? The answer is no. So I think she makes a very, very good point. Agreed. And the problem is, if you have a view that oh, there should be heavier penalties for, for non-runners, uh, and that's a view that's often expressed, you, you can have an unintended consequence in that if a trainer wants to come out and say, well, I don't think it's safe to run my horse on this ground and you're going to find me X for, for acting in the horse's best interest, all of a sudden you, you've opened the can of worms for yourself there. Nasty, nasty can of worms. Um. Marty Wicks has asked the question that is only right it comes your way, maybe, Kev, given where you've just been. Uh, when are we going to talk about the growing Middle Eastern racing a matter of time before they start taking over British racing? Dubai, Bahrain and now Qatar. Is this a danger sign for the BHA? I'm not. Yeah, well, I'll just leave it at that and hand it over to you, Kev. Yeah, well, look, I, I kind of made it my business to go around to, to you know, as many of these countries as I could in, in recent months, Bahrain, Saudi and, and Qatar in the last like six weeks, just to see. I've never never been to any of them to see the racing product, to see the, you know, the breeding industries and um, to get a feel for how it's all working. And look, it's 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 where the, the river is flowing. I think it's fair to say, as we alluded to earlier, it's going to be extremely difficult for British and Irish racing to compete with, you know, not just the Middle East, but Australia and America as well, because their financial models and, and the underpinning financials are so much stronger than ours. Um, it's, you know, you're relying on, on prestige um, in the UK to a lesser extent, Ireland, and the patronage of, of big, big players. And that won't last forever. It's a dangerous thing to be relying on. And what's really struck me is, is the ambition of these countries. To, to, to drive on to get bigger like Qatar the last week like it was a real eye-opener for me like a lot of the, the the real movers and shakers out there like they're young like they're young men um that that love racing it's their passion and they are so ambitious to drive on you know not just in terms of getting better horses into Qatar but you know competing um worldwide it, it's going to be very difficult for, for British and Irish racing to hold their own, as mentioned earlier, like I think our status as an elite producer of horses, of thoroughbreds is going to remain because they have inadequacies, you know, in terms of environment in the Middle East for producing their own thoroughbreds, but they're having a good crack at it. Like, yeah. here's a fact, here's a fact for you. There's more active thoroughbred broodmares in Saudi Arabia than there is in Germany. Wow. You know, the, 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 these what, what these do they do with them during the summer? They they live on sand paddocks, Brendan. Like I saw, I saw a bunch of newborn foals in that this week, and in Saudi as well. Like they they're raised in sand paddocks with shelters, um, okay. and they, they they never see a blade of grass. You know, you, you you think it wouldn't work, but you actually look at the horses, and and they look perfectly fine. Like they're all, they're heavily supplemented, like with with hard feed, like we do ourselves, but with with like lots of obviously other vitamins and minerals to make up for it. Um, and they have to they have pretty strict protocols there, you know, to to keep their feet in order, etc. Um, but but there's but some very good operators to, out there. Sorry, it gets up to 50 degrees in the summer in Saudi Arabia. How much can you shelter them? 
Yeah, but you, you, it's it's funny though. You like you when it like when it gets on the rare occasions, it gets very hot here. Like horses don't actually seem to mind it that much. Thoroughbreds, you know, the, we we know what their coats are like. Their their heat coat, their mechanisms for coping with heat are are outstanding, really. Like in the animal oh. kingdom, so you wouldn't think. I went out there now, full of skepticism myself, um, but it, it was an eye opener. But like uh, Jesus, it's 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 interesting to see it. Like you, you know, prize money in Bahrain and Qatar is going to boom up for these big meetings again next year. You know, you you look at you look at the results from Qatar in recent days. Like there's a horse there, Warren Point. You know, recently recently seen winning a, a listed race at Kempton, and he's got half a million for finishing second in the big race there on Saturday. Lovely. Like it's going to become a bigger and bigger thing, and it's going to be. It's going to be hard to stem the flow of good horses just, just very, out of these countries. Just very briefly, I mean, they acknowledge over here because uh, on the jockey club board they just appointed commissionings um, one of her one of her owners uh, on the board, um, the Bahraini. I can't remember his name. Yeah, Sheikh Issa, so, he'd be the, the, I think, head, I think the head of are, the racing authority. Out there. Yeah, yeah. I think they are very conscious of that. And just on a second point, there's been some negative comments around the well-being of commissioning in recent weeks. But okay, keep an eye on that anyway. We um, have got to wrap up very soon, but we've got a couple of other very good questions. Tractor Boy Alex has asked, given the sports chiefs will be looking carefully at Cheltenham rides amid the new whip rules, should we be betting with firms who pay out first past the post? No doubt racing's ruling body will be keen to lay down markers at a high-profile event. Otherwise, what's the point of the rules, TC? Uh, it's it's not. That's it's a misconception. They, they're yeah. not going to be disqualifying on the day. They're going to be waiting a week or so down the line. So, imagine scenario whereby if if a jockey does break the rules, they could be going up and being handed the prize, fully in the knowledge that in a week's time they're going to be giving it back. But for punting purposes, that was the reason why they were brought in. For punting purposes, the result on the day will stand. Okay. And the BHA cannot say no. that they weren't warned about the possibility of this pre their numerous reviews after they've done this. The possibility of this, like this is a proper worst case scenario and they cannot say they weren't warned. We know that. It's just, it's literally, for me, this is like watching a TV show and the car crash is going to happen, but they've just popped it into slow motion to really drag out the pain. And we're all sat here just watching it. And that, then come the, Cheltenham. The Friday of Cheltenham, bang, the car crash finally happens and we'll all say, well, we've been waiting a long time for that. The but race anyway, that Nichols said edge... Lorcan Williams gets a 16-day ban for, someone just pointed out that Kevin Brogan on the second, he would have got disqualified as well. Uh, he, he would have got yeah. a 14-day ban. So if they go one or two over in the heat of Cheltenham, it could be the third horse is going to get the race. Yeah, I'm going to call it. Kim, the Kim, the Kim yeah. is the race. Amateurs get carried away. What? That's my that's my call. Odds on Fav. Uh, the winning edge has the final question that we've selected. And Brendan, you can have this since you're already talking about the woke brigade on this show. <laughs> Who is the bigger threat to the future of racing? The BHA, the RSPCA or the woke brigade? Those three options. How long do you think it will be before it is outlawed in the UK? Well, I don't think there'll be national hunt racing in the UK in 20 years. Um, I, 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 whether it's the, like the, the, the BHA 
it seems to be bordering on a fifth column to me. I mean, they're, they're, <laughs> it, 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 they might not have malicious intent. It, it, it might just be um, incompetence. But they're they're, they're given. They're, I, I could talk about this for ten minutes, but I know you haven't got the time. But they're just given ground and given ground and given ground, and eventually you fall into the sea before before you realise it. And that's that would be my concern. It's very different in Ireland. We still have course and we still have fox hunting. We have a strong rural lobby. People seem to have more perspective on the differences between animals and, and, and humans over here. So I think I think we'll be fine. I think flat racing will be fine because it's such a, a, an important industry. And as Kevin mentioned, the British Isles has advantages in terms of environment, in terms of raising horses. So I, I, I think flat racing will be fine. But national hunt racing is a parochial sport. And I don't think it will survive the coming storm in the UK. Well, after trying to be very positive on that podcast, we're wrapping up with a nice <laughs> depressing line from Brendan. Um, unfortunately, I am fearful that he might be correct in that regard. And the sign off question is from Brian Boot Buddy. Brian Buddy, who's asked, and he's referencing uh, Terry the Handicapper. He quote retweeted Terry the Handicapper's tweet in regards to Newcastle, where Terry the Handicapper has said, Brian went to the student night in Newcastle last night, and he's just texted me saying he's just woken up in a Durham University halls of residence wearing nothing but a bookie's umbrella. Then asked the lad if he backed any winners, to which Brian retweeted that with, did Vanessa enjoy the student night at Newcastle on Saturday? Rumour has it she was last seen leaving with Terry's mate, Brian. Um, I can safely say, Brian, that I very much did enjoy student night at Newcastle. It's one for another show because we've already gone over time, but I had some very interesting takeaways from said student night, but ultimately there was a hell of a lot of young people on a race course, and that is not a negative in any sense. Uh, but I had a lovely time. Thanks for asking, Brian. That wraps up the show. Uh, Brendan, Tony, Kevin, thank you very much for your contributions. As always, that's been a very enjoyable start to the week for me. Uh, viewers and listeners out there, please please do subscribe to our YouTube channel and leave a comment. We love the comment section. We'll be back with Racing Only Better on Thursday. But for now, I hope you enjoyed the show. That was Wade In. Have a good week. <laughs>